guys. Welcome to our podcast. We are Legalese, a podcast bringing you truth, power, and awareness. I'm your host, Toria. And I'm your host, Mama Marie. And today, we got an interesting topic for you guys today. It's going to be a nice, open discussion. But before that, let's get into the hot topics. So, this is like trending in our in not on my page i guess in, on my page um so sasha johnson of black lives matter activist was shot at a party in the uk um authorities say she's in critical condition from a head injury and twitter also led a discussion about her activism as well as the incident at the party i hope that she's okay and she's like recovering well no one said that there was like that something fatal happened from the shot. Yeah, she was in critical condition because I want to say she was shot in the head. Yeah, so <clears throat> hopefully she gets better. Um, the playoffs. So the playoffs are happening this month. I know this past Saturday the Hawks were trending because um, the Atlanta Hawks and the New York Knicks were like head to head, neck and neck. And they basically won by two points. The Hawks? Yeah, Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's Trey, shocking because Trey Young is on their team. So I know people are talking about him a lot as well. So yeah, the playoffs are continuing to happen. And that was just like the most recent game that happened. Um, also, a video that went viral this, these two young ladies of color were, I guess, riding their bikes around New York. And out of nowhere, this Karen like lady steals one of their chargers and then the girl asks for a charger back so the lady that stole the charger proceeds to call the cops because she wants them to prove that that's her charger i don't know some it was some weird ish that was going I on snatch my charger back in right that's what we need to talk about she was on the phone like saying oh this isn't this she's giving them a description that's not her charger that that's not her charger i'm gonna take my shit and leave right and I'm then like, there's something we need to talk about in the video, they're like, are you racist? Like, what is going on? She's like, yes, yes I am. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, why don't you let people be? It's just a charger. If someone- It's not yours. Right? Prove that you bought it. I don't know. I don't know. It was giving me very much Karen vibes. So I don't, I don't understand what was her motive in that whole situation, but that is what happened. And she basically wouldn't give the charger back until the cops arrived. I'm like, this is- Ridiculous. So <laughs> that was that on that. Um, next, I guess the Olympics are still going on, uh, regardless of COVID. I have no idea. Regardless, of, I, I keep hearing I about. They stopped it. It was supposed to be in like China or something. It was supposed to be like in Tokyo. I don't. Yeah. I don't know, but I do know that Simone Biles has been getting a lot of like buzz yeah. for her intric intricate technique. Um, she's also had a move named after her. At this point, she's just like going there for fun. I I would say she's a really good gymnast. She did the um, Yurchenko double pike mm -hmm. in the competition. Yes. It's something that's never been done by a woman before. So it was really good. Awesome. I thought it was impressive. So I could never. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so that's what happened with that, and then. The Billboard Music Awards also happened this past weekend. I wasn't able to watch it, but I did see like some of the videos. Yeah. yeah, from the performances, the people that won. Um, so basically some of the awards from the night, Drake won top streaming artists. Um, and the weekend won top male artists, BTS won top social artists, Taylor Swift won top female artists, and Doja Cat won top R&B artists, just to like name a few. Interesting, of them. and he also won. Drake also won Artist of the Decade. Yes, yes, I, makes sense. It makes it sense. Does, it makes sense. Drake has been on the Billboard since. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, congratulations to all the artists that won. I know the weekend was happy to post up with all his awards because the whole Grammy mm -hmm. um, boycott that happened when he didn't get nominated for anything. Yeah, so. did you see? Uh, I saw Doja's performance. I didn't watch it, but I did like watch with her the and whole SZA? thing. Yeah, 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 it was nice. It was cute. yeah, it was nice. The musicality was there. Everything, the whole performance. Yeah, was good. the dancing and the choreography was real cute. Yeah, I liked it. They're really, you know, they work. They're breaking out. They're breaking yeah. out. And I, I aspire. I love it. Um, 
Also, what was trending this weekend is Adrian's kickback. I don't know if some of you. I don't know. I I didn't know what it was. I kept looking and I was like, what does that mean? Like, what kickback? What are you talking about? But yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way they basically turned Project X into like (laughs) real life. Because, okay, so basically, there's a TikToker and they have Adrian. He went to celebrate his birthday. So he posted a flyer on TikTok and it went viral. Other famous like clowns started reposting and saying they were going to be there. Who else is going to be there? People were like flying out to LA for this kickback. So the party was so big that they had to call in the SWAT and the police (laughs) (laughs) to basically shut it down. And like I said, Twitter was talking about the event and compared it to the movie Project X. So when I saw the videos, I was like, wow. I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know. I haven't seen any videos. I don't even know what Project X is. Basically, think of a big block party and, like, everyone just goes to it. Okay. Think of it like that. Like a rager. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. that. So, there were, like, fireworks. There was people, like, climbing on top of trees. Some celebrities were there, too. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing there, but they were there. They're just, like, you know. Interesting. Um. So, yeah. But, yeah, that's what I have for my hot topics okay <clears throat> all my stuff is political as per usual Hold on. love to see it <laughs> love to see it oh my gosh okay so abavi i think that's what they're called there yeah Ab- Ab- abavi they're like a company uh, like a pharmaceutical company mm-hmm. so they had, like spoke with congress this past week and anyway one of the late like senators or i can't remember her name she was like dr- drilling them basically and like asking like, questioning them about like their business practices like their breakdown of their money things like that mm-hmm. and abvi abvi they increased their prices of one of their drugs which is humira mm-hmm. um in the us by 470% since it was launched back in 2003 hmm. so they're like why are, are like where's your money going towards and why are you being so reckless with the amount of money you're spending and why are you hiking up the prices but you're not even putting the amount of money into research most mm-hmm. of your money is going to marketing you know things like that so um that's something that did happen and occurred okay another thing that happened was that tim ryan he spoke out about the insurrection that happened mm-hmm. on january 6th and mm-hmm. he was like we need bipartisanship mm-hmm. and i do want to play the video but i can't i don't know if it will play on this but he was basically saying that you know people are, people died like this was very you know the insurrection was like harmful to like our country like it jeopardized the safety of like legislators people like that and y'all can't even agree that this is something that happened like mm-hmm. why not like it's right in front of your faces like y'all are being useless right now and so that's something that he was basically trying to uh do he was trying to get bipartisanship and he did command the 35 um house republicans that joined the, Dem- the democrats to pass the bill to establish bipartisanship to investigate that insurrection so he commended them but he's like the 90 percent of y'all y'all messed up so that's <laughs> understandable another thing that happened that was popular was anthony bouchard he is a republican in wyoming and he's currently trying to run for the u.s house spot um in hopes to replace liz cheney um in the gop uh however yeah what's his rap sheet (laughs) well he admitted that when he was 18 years old he impregnated a 14 year old and uh he considered it the romeo and juliet story um he did end up marrying her um but when she like i said she got pregnant when when she was 14 when she was 20 years old she ended up killing herself however this whole situation between him being 18 and her being 14 is basically considered statutory rape and that is a non-forceful sexual activity in which um, the individual is below the age of consent. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I hope no one in Wyoming votes for him. Um, he's clearly trash. So <laughs> um, let's continue. So Tulsi Gabbard, she was one of the running people candidates, mm-hmm. um, candidates. in the Democratic Party for this last election. I, th- I think she's a plant personally, but 
Yeah. So this is what she said recently. She made a post regarding Mayor Light Lightfoot and Mayor Lightfoot's like she's in Chicago, I think. She's the mayor of Chicago. Um, and she said that Mayor Lightfoot's blatant anti-white racism is abhorrent. I call upon President Biden, Kamala Harris, and other leaders of our country, of all races, to join me in calling Mayor Lightfoot's resignation. Other, our leaders must condemn all racism, including anti-white. What do you think about that? I feel like they are, or she is, all lives mattering the situation. So, I don't agree. Let's call a spade a spade if you must like let's fix one problem and then like continue we kind of know what the prejudices are and we know where the racial implications lie as well so i have no idea why she would say that okay so i think there's other problems with mayor lightfoot um that we need to discuss such as her helping her cover up for cops and you know minimizing their effort you know efforts that are being done when it comes to uh, Black people being killed or not being uh, treated correctly in their city um, for her to be, res you know, resigned, uh, resigned yeah. instead of this whatever thought of anti-whiteness that she thinks, she thinks yeah, is going on. Mayor Lightfoot is espousing, and I just don't think that's... There's other reasons she should be resigned, you know, should resign other than that. I don't yeah. know what anti-white statements or sentiments that she has. I haven't heard anything like that so far. Maybe I'm unaware. <clears throat> and that could be true. But I don't think that's something that I don't know what she's just not to this case. Yeah, yeah, that's just not the case. And I, think I don't she, think it's gonna help her. Yeah. I think yeah. uh Tulsi is reaching. <laughs> Perfect word, reaching. <laughs> I think she's reaching for something that doesn't exist. Um Next thing, so there's this guy, his name is Jason Miller. He is one of Trump's sycophants. Um, he recently, a U.S. district judge has ordered uh, Jason to pay Gizmodo, which is like a media company, I believe, nearly $42,000 to cover legal expenses um, from his failed $100 million defamation suit. Mm. The judge found that Gizmodo accurately reported the court's filings, um, alleging that Mr. Uh, Jason uh, slipped an abortion pill into a woman's smoothie. Goodness gracious. Now, from our last topic from last week, do you think this con is considered like fetal abduction kind of? Like is, is this I mean, like a harming of an embryo? Like this is without consent? Yes. Like, is yes. It, does this like- All of the above. Qualify for like, arrest you know like what like all of what? the above mm. all of the above interesting i just want to okay, okay jail jail i do think jail. that i yeah i agree i think he should be arrested as well you're slipping an abortion pill in a woman's smoothie and how do you know she's pregnant or not oh like who gosh. just slips abortion pills like, where are you getting these pills from oh my gosh so yeah i but think and <laughs> let, me not, let me not get on that subject because we can we can talk about that later. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. that does qualify for a fetal abduction. You should yeah. definitely check it out from our it's episode nine. It's called Robbing the Cradle. Okay, next topic. Um, yeah, so the rock rock and roll. Um, they're oh, yeah they're in, in, they're having an induction um, of like several people, and some of the people on the list are um, LL Cool J, Jay Z, and Tina Turner. Do you think that works? Like, do you consider them rock? Like, how do you? I mean, think? when is so ironic that you're saying this because I was just watching like a little documentary on like the music evolution in this country. Um, Tina has been in rock for a while. She has been in rock for a while. I guess it started off as like, what would you call that kind of music? Not like funk. Funk. I don't know. Funk and yeah. rock are hand in hand, though. Kind so, of. So yeah, yeah, I would. Yes, I definitely consider her rock. Same. Um, she has that sound, edgy sound. L. Cool J. Just learned that. Okay, I don't think it was L. Cool J. It was like Run DMC mm -hmm. and um, Aerosmith. They did a song together, yes. and that was like the breakout of like you know rock rap put together different. You know, so 
And LL Cool J was a part of that because he was part of Def Jam along with Russell and mm -hmm. all of them. So LL Cool J may have started, but after that, I I, I solely remember hearing like R&B and rap from him, maybe. Same. But then again, is Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just rock and roll or is it just like these were contributors to rock and roll so they get to be inducted? I I don't, Tina Turner, yes. I don't. I don't get the whole LL Cool J or the Jay Z, Jay -Z thing. Like I like, like you said, like I know that there have been times where two genres have collaborated, right, and make art. I don't, I don't consider them that. But th I mean, that's just me. But I'm happy that they're being recognized for their artistry. I think that's great. Um, we don't see that often, so I, I appreciate that. Um, let's see. Oh, and so lastly. This is a nice little discussion, I guess, in the last discussion. So recent. Um, today, <laughs> like a couple hours ago, um, when we're recording this, um, at least eight people have died um, or have been confirmed dead um, at during a mass shooting that occurred in San Jose, Jose California, mm -hmm. at a rail yard. Um, and the shooter was also one of the people that was listed that had died. The gunman, we do know his name. We're not going to say his name. However, he would had his ex girlfriend said that he raped her, allegedly raped her, and had been violent towards her and had alcohol infused. I'm sorry, alcohol fueled mood swings. So take that as you will. However, what is happening with this conversation is people are trying to now ban AR 15s. There's this whole a uh, thread of people saying we need legislators to ban this um, from, you know, market. So what do you think about it? And then I'll go into what I found or what I've heard. I feel this is going back to the whole gun control NRA discussion. Um, obviously mass shootings need to stop because innocent civilians are dying because they're getting caught in the crossfire of other people's mess, basically mess, messiness. So, oof. I get having a license, like having your gun permits, having it for safety if you feel unsafe, you know, living in big areas such as this and might have a high crime rate. I don't know how much I can protect you, but, um, AR-15s, I'm not, okay, am I versus, okay, is AR-15, is that a machine? Is that one of the really big ones? I'm not gonna say I don't know guns, but I'm not that too, too like well-versed on. Okay, so that's what it looks like. Okay, then. what do you need that for? Are you in war? No, like, why are we warring? Why is, where is this like civil war coming from? So that's what it looks like. Uh-uh. It's giving civil war and we're not at a civil war. We're not in a war in general. So why would you need that? in general i i understand it. There, i know there's two sides of it i kind of understand it <sighs> because bs like this can happen he obviously had mental health problems i'm not gonna say i'm neutral i i feel like i just need more information because i'm always like pro safety obviously but why do you need an AR-15? I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to let you answer. Because um, I'm like wrestling. My, top, my feelings regarding this is I do think we need more education regarding guns, right? Like all of us. <laughs> um, so we can all make uh, conscious decisions. Conscious yeah. decisions, right? And we can say with the information we have, the stats we have, this has been occurring in our society. We can try to find different ways to mitigate it, right? Um, we do need more, like I said, whether there's training, you know, that would be good as well. Um, so I understand, like we, like you just said, I understand both sides of wanting to have a safe, safer place and not have people have access to this. So yeah, I don't think we should be having access to that. Cause why would we really need that? Like you said, like, why would we really need that? I don't need that in my everyday life. Most people don't need that in their Who's everyday carry life. that around? Like... I look, so I, I get it, but this is, I've talked to, here's my, what I've heard. So I've <laughs> talked to two people, both have had um, a military background, 
And there's also someone <clears throat> who I saw, um, I don't know if I should post say his name or not. I'm not going to. Um, he's just he's, a comment. He's yeah, basically. he's verified on Twitter, but this is what he said. He's he was a Marine. And this is what he said regarding AR-15s. And he says, an AR-15 uses the same exact round my M16 used uh, when I served in the Marines. He also said that um, even as an active duty Marine, the weapons were stored and locked in an armory and were only permitted during training or war. And then he also said that the Second Amendment um, should not meet um, a gun um, should not mean a gun like an AR-15 in the hands of everyday citizens. And so, like I said, I spoke to two people about this. Like I said, they also have, they both have military backgrounds. And this is what they said regarding that statement or something similar regarding um, a banning AR-15s. Mm -hmm. The first person said that banning AR-15 is stupid um, because... Uh, it's a semi-automatic. And if you're going to ban a semi-automatic gun, then you can ban all semi-automatics, you know? Um, it's just going to lead to that. And they said that a shotgun is more powerful than a semi-automatic. I don't know how true that is, but that's what they said. They also said that they're stricter, that possibly to mitigate the situation, maybe more stricter annual certification qual certification or qualifications, um, psych evaluations, and training that can occur for people. And then I said, well, if someone had to use a gun, you know, for everyday use for safety or what have you, what gun would you suggest? They said a pistol. I asked the second person, like I said, they both have military backgrounds. And I said, that's the same thing. What do you think regarding AR-15s being banned? Mm -hmm. They said, no. I asked them why. They said banning AR-15, it's the same thing. They, then you would then ban all semi-automatic uh, guns, um, like a pistol. And then they said it's an assault rifle. However, these shootings are isolated incidents and they're exceptions to what majority of the people are doing. Mm -hmm. And they said, gave another example. They said knives. They said, we have knives. People get stabbed with knives. People die by knives. You just don't go banning knives. And then they elaborated and said that the Second Amendment is to prepare uh, regular people for war just in case it did happen. And then I asked them again, if we're going to have guns as Americans, what gun do you think we should have? If we're all everyday people, just regular gun owners. They said a pistol. Um, and they said it doesn't. They then elaborated and said that it doesn't matter how many rules are in place, how many laws are in place, people will break them. The guy who shot up San Jose, he broke the rules. Even him having that AR-15, him shooting it was breaking rules. So regardless, it obviously doesn't matter. They're going to do it, right? People who are in gangs are going to do it regardless. And them breaking the rules and putting more laws on guns and gun uh, restrictions will then infringe on the rights of other people. They also said to possibly combat this, maybe more adults should have military training. If everyone had like two years in some form of training to possibly, if there was a shooter, we all know how to uh, assess, the situation, assess yeah. the situation and maybe take them down if we were all trained properly on how to do that, you know? And they also said if we, in the state that they lived in uh, previously, that it was a very big gun state mm -hmm. and they did not experience or see as much gun violence yeah. occurring there. Um, because when everyone had guns, you're less likely to act out because someone's going to shoot you if you try to act out. Yeah. You know? So that's something that, that's what they said. I get that I, and i get the perspective that they're viewing it from especially with like the ar-15 being a semi-automatic gun and a lot of guns majority of guns are semi-automatics mm -hmm. um, the only thing is the nece the necessity i just don't think ar-15 is necessary to have i just don't see i just don't know what you would be doing in your everyday life to need yeah, it yeah like at all and because a lot of the shootings that have happened are with AR-15s, I think that is something that we do need to assess. I, I it's not like uh, 
I don't know, like that M16 that guy was talking about. It's not like people are just doing it with the M16. It's people are specifically using AR-15. For whatever reason, they're using that gun. And so there's something about that gun that makes it accessible to have that can cause danger and harm to other people. And that is something that we should look at. If a lot of the mass shootings that are occurring are with those type of guns, why are we not looking at that? That That's something to we do or we should investigate. That's just me personally. I, I, or have some policy around maybe that specific gun. Yeah. Maybe who knows? At this point, it's kind of ridiculous. We're kind of starting to look at, look like the laughing stock, having yeah. all these mass shootings and stuff. Yeah. And this is the 16th one this week, apparently. If we're a really prideful country, we should probably try to fix something with, yeah. with yeah, this gun sector and all these mass shootings. It's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous at this point. I, I, and then you're kind of creating this fear-based society. Everyone's going to start looking over their shoulder, paranoia. Yeah. You know. I think that's been happening for years, though. Mm-hmm. I remember when going to college, the way our campus was, like, laid out, mm-hmm. I it was, like, open range. So I was like, you thought- if someone were to come in, they can literally wipe out yeah. massive amount of people at specific times, you yeah. know, because there's no protection. There's no like wall. There's no gates or anything. It's, you can come in, it's open field. You can shoot whomever, you, literally. But you have, yeah, but you got people on the outside protecting. You just, you just don't know about it. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> I mean, true. That's, that's fine. Yeah. But if it's the way it was laid out, could have caused some issues. Anyway. Yeah. Let us know what you guys think, you know. On our Insta, yeah. at legal underscore Yes. Yeah. Podcast? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> no, no, no. Just legal underscore ESE. Oh, and then you legal underscore. Okay, awesome. Give us one moment. We're going to take a quick break and get back to our topic. Hey guys, welcome back. So today we're going to be talking about the birth mortality rate among Black women and women of color. So, yeah, I guess... For our last episode of the season, it's going to be more of like a discussion-based podcast. Just going to present the information, answer some questions, and then, yeah. So, I guess to get it started. So, statistically, (laughs) in the U.S., um, Black women are two to six times more likely to die from complications of pregnancy than white women. And depending on where they live, and this was according to the AMS, um, in recent years, as high rates of maternal mortality in the U.S. have alarmed researchers, one statistic has been especially concerning. According to the CDC, Black mothers in the U.S. die at three to four times the rate of white mothers, one of the widest of all racial disparities in the women's health. And put it in another way, a Black woman is 22 percent more likely to die from heart disease than a white woman and then 71 percent more likely to perish from cervical cancer but 243 percent more likely to die from pregnancy or childbirth related causes so i don't know about you but that that percentage is pretty high very high pretty high so um do you have any statistics towards you know black women women of color and I guess why that may be. Yeah. So I did see several things. So there was a chart that I found regarding, um, you know, the, you know, with a breakdown, what happens between the racial demographics, like you said. So um, for example, with non-Hispanic black people, it's, at least in the 2018, there was 37 deaths per um, 1,000 births, mm-hmm. um, whereas non-Hispanic whites were 14 and Hispanic were 11. And that was, like I said, that was in 2018. However, women who were over 40 years old, that was a higher yeah. hike. It's a high uh, risk, yeah. Yeah, very high risk that um, if they were 40 years and older, 80, basically almost 82 women per 100,000 die during live births. And that's nearly eight times that for women under the age of, 50, I'm sorry, 25. 
um, which was 10, around 10 people, women died that were under 25 from that. Whereas um, also in when it comes to states, this is something that I found for 2021. Mm -hmm. um, in states, Louisiana had 58 uh, deaths like of women when women for you know birthing, and that was based on race. Whereas Georgia, um, the amount of birth mortality rates was based on like one's uh, preconditions, maybe mm -hmm. their um, health, um, whether it's like diabetes or like heart issues, things like that, um, and also having little to no access to healthcare. So over ninety counties in Georgia, they don't have OBs. So they're not able to, so women aren't able to like go to like a regular OB and gynecologist to just get checked out, check on the baby. So if something were to happen and they don't have access, they're more likely to die. Mm -hmm. um, another one, a new, another one of the highest was New Jersey. And that is also based on race. The next highest was Arkansas. And that was based on the women dying were also preconditions basically. And that was health, weight and diet. Whereas the states with the lowest, um, what is it, maternal mortality were California, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Colorado, and Nevada. And on average, the birth, uh, what is it, mortality um, is 20, 20 people per, 20 women per 100,000. So that's the stats that I found that were very interesting to me. Yeah, I... When researching this, I kind of just knew, but like getting more factual information on it, I was like, okay, this kind of proves why so-and-so is happening. So when I looked more into kind of why this happened, why it started happening, I had to go back because mm -hmm. it's a, obviously it's a race problem as well as a health problem, as well as a misogyny problem. So, and it was only right since um, Congress recently um, is trying to, at least states, let me not say Congress, states are trying to repeal the Roe v. Wade um, court case in certain states. And if you, uh, <laughs> you repeal that case, there are so many other clauses under it that go away as well. Um, and that kind of ties into um, reproductive health in general. So to, you know, simmer that down, uh, I wanted to discuss the tropes associated with pain. So historically, Black Americans have been assumed to have a high pain tolerance due to racism. And this conclusion was drawn from the study of eugenics, which if anybody knows, the study of eugenics is very racially biased. Um, and unethical practices coerced onto black individuals. So I hate that I have to talk about this, <laughs> but it's gonna make more sense why. So what is eugenics? Eugenics is the practice or advocacy of improving the human species. So unethical scientists back then, it was racially driven. So when they use eugenics, they tried to use it to say that black people weren't of the human species. The, hence, they don't have a pain tolerance. So, um, oh gosh. It aims to reduce human suffering by breeding out disease, disabilities, and so-called undesirable characteristics from the human popula population. Um, the study was widely used during the early 1900s to justify the tragic events during the Holocaust. So, you know, basically, Geno basically genocide, uh -huh. when you think about it. Um, and while it was used for xenophobic reasons in, you know, Germany with, you know, the Holocaust, it was also used on Black Americans during slavery times. So that was just a quick rundown back then. Present day, since then, the conclusion that Black Americans can have a high pain tolerance or can feel no pain has in my opinion, has been a trope in the medical field. Some, let, 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 me, let, me, let me put allegedly, because I know some people are like, mm, allegedly, whatever. Let me put some on there. Um, and that 
can kind of lead to the birth rate, birth mortality rate, life expectancy in the black community to like fluctuate throughout the course of time. So yeah, okay, let's, let, yeah, let's start with that, the racial implications when it comes to the pain tolerance, because I all they also use that in the op the opioid crisis. Oh my gosh, you got it. Yeah, the opioid, <laughs> <You> got it. <laughs> the opioid crisis. Um, and to try not to get try not to get off topic to briefly talk about that, it's assumed that yeah, black and POCs will get more addicted to opioids than white individuals because of other racial reasons. Um, so that's just part of that, but we're not gonna go off topic. We'll just stay on this. Um, so I guess, what can I say? Cause I'm like, I don't know, there's so much, I, <laughs> when I was writing this guys, I was like, there's so much I can talk about within just like black women, the birth mortality rate, maternal morbidity, like there's so much to talk about that is so unjust and unethical that I don't think people talk about enough. You just hear stories about it, but you never talk about, oh, why might this be happening? Or what could have been the cause of this? Or what historically happened that is con like currently causing this to happen? So yeah, well, We'll discuss more um, later on after I, you know, present more information. So to combat that, presently there's a, I guess you could say an organization. There, yeah, they're an organization. Um, the sister song "Women of Color Reproductive Justice Collective." You heard about it. If you haven't heard about it, it's really good to look up they basically coined the term reproductive justice. And it basically states that it is the human right to maintain personal body, bodily autonomy, have children, not have children, and parent the children we have in a safe, sustainable community. So their main goal is towards sex education and like abortion, safe sex, the whole nine. Kind of to educate women of color on these implications. Cause I realize if young women aren't educated on these things and then they end up, you know, at the crossroads and do end up getting pregnant, they'll know how to, how you say, move on forward, forward yeah. with it. So there's just putting that out there. Were there any other laws that you found? No. I the legal information around it. I know you talked more about that. The Yeah, so legal. for me. I say it on the theoretical side. <laughs> okay, no problem. Let me find that out quickly. So there are two major laws that I found regarding this. And one of them is with our Congress, um, the 115th Congress passed the Preventing Maternal Death Act of 2018. The bill is called HR 1318, uh, which authorizes the CDC to increase support for state and tribal maternal mortality review committee committees. And in that, um, there's more bills that were passed. Uh, the first, the next one is HR 4996, uh, and it's called Helping Medicaid Offer um, maternity services, so moms, act of 2019, and it was passed, and it was agreed in the House. I don't know if it's what that process is in the Senate, but so far it's been received in the Senate and has been referred to the Committee of Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. The goal of this bill is to provide a state option under Medicaid program to provide and extend coverage for pregnant and postpartum individuals through the first year of postpartum. Hmm. The last, the third bill that I found was called um, HR uh, 4995, and it's called Maternal Health Quality Improvement Act of 2019. It was also passed and agreed in the House and was received in the Senate and referred to the Committee of Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. 
The goal of this act, however, is to improve um, obstetric care and maternal health outcomes in rural areas, provide obstetric uh, network grants and telehealth uh, network grants and to authorize funding for innovation and from training uh, for healthcare providers. That is the first time I'm hearing about that. But I'm yeah. glad that those bills are up They're there. trying to pass them. So hopefully it does occur where we can get more money into communities that need it to get more care, more access, etc. If they can pass the anti-abortion law so quick, I'm pretty sure they can get these yeah in there too yeah that's that abortion law that was just passed in texas was to me if anyone has seen handmaid's tale i think that's handmaid's tale yes. that's handmaid's tale in real life so that is very dangerous okay. but yeah so that's what these people are doing so far to get these uh, bills passed and hopes to reduce the mortality rate hopefully they pass so an example of this, and this is just, I've heard personal like testimonies based off of women who've had experiences within the medical field and solely wanting a doctor of color because of it, because they think they're gonna listen. There's that trust factor in there, also the racial implication in there. So if many of you have known the tennis player, Serena Williams, she had complications with her uh, labor when a couple years back. Yeah. And it's very relative to what we're talking about. So she had an incident, um, and she basically had a health problem starting the day after giving labor or giving birth, um, due to her history of pulmonary embolisms, she alerted the nurse about the implications and the nurse's response was I'm ready for this. She told her that the pain medication may be making her delusional, like confused and basically minimize her concern she and this is a reason why like you're not listening to your patient it's like i'm not going to say there's a language barrier because i tried to think it was a language barrier but i don't think that's it you're just not listening to your patient and the pa not the patient's always right but you should listen to your patient and you know converse with all that so basically she was right about what happened and they fixed that accordingly if you guys want to see more on that we can look it up yeah, yeah with her story yeah um oh i do want to add though yes. which is very interesting as you said that um federal laws requires that all states extend medicaid eligibility to pregnant women with incomes up to 138 percent of the federal poverty level, and that's $29,435 annually for a family of three. And any uh, pregnant-related coverage for the woman must pass through 60 days postpartum. And in states that do not have, who haven't adopted the Affordable Care Act of Medicaid expansion, postpartum women need to requalify for Medicaid as parents to stay on that program. Oh, okay. That's, that's really nice information to get out there. Yeah. And people may know it's like a healthcare concern as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. There's like a wide conversation around that as well. Um, so, yes. Next, I wanted to talk about or have a little discussion about the historical reasoning behind why women lie on their back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Stupid. And it's not true. Actually, I've seen so many like birth videos and the women are like on, on their fours. They're, They're supposed to be on the fours. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so just to add a little back, a backstory for people that may not know, according to an article written by, I think his name is James Felton. Yes. There are many advantages to giving birth in positions such as squatting, kneeling, or getting on your hands and knees rather than lying on your back. And x-rays have shown that pelvic outlet becomes wider when you squat or you're on your hands. Because yeah, it stretches <laughs> out the area. Right? Yeah. So, which helps shorten labor. When you hear women say, oh, I was in labor for 23 hours or like, you know, along lines of that, <laughs> it's cause. They're going on their back. Yeah. So the evidence largely suggests that lying on your back during 
birth prolongs labor and slows contractions, yet the majority of women in the U.S. give birth in this position. So what's he saying? How did humans end up giving birth in this position in the first place? So the answer is... <laughs> The answer is basically because a perverted king enjoyed his wives giving birth in this position in like 7th century, 17th century France. Yes. So the position has only been widespread in Western culture for the past 200 years. And King Louis is to blame, if many of you know. Mm, of course. <laughs> so... Apparently, he loved watching women give birth and encouraged male midwives as well to watch, which adds even more perversion in that, which is probably why women prefer to have female, you know, midwives, nurses and stuff, mm -hmm. aiding them in, you know, that sector. So for him, it was mere entertainment rather than for the health of the mother, which is probably why there were so many maternal deaths during that era. Yeah. So this practice has carried on in today's Western medical practices and for some is widely adopted through natural birth. And presently, pres oh, presently, presently, pregnant women of color are leaning more towards midwives and doulas to healthy, to healthily bring their child slash children into the world. So like I said earlier, due to trust and listening concerns and overall well-being, I can see why women would want to do that. Lean more towards that. So what do you think about this here and why it's still going on to this day? So I well like what laying on the back or yes, like you lay on the bed. I don't know. That's so stupid. I feel like if there's scientific proof that it doesn't help and there's other like I know I've seen women like uh use that big ball that yes. they roll on, <laughs> yes. right? I've seen women try, like you said, the squatting um, and they have it and where they're on all fours pushing out that way. I don't know why people are still doing it on their bed. Maybe because I know some women get tired and exhausted and if they have a 23 hour labor, <laughs> labor yeah. they want to rest. So yeah. I can understand wanting to have a bed or something flat to like rest on. But when giving birth, they should be like, up upright you know so i mean gravity push it down push the baby down that would make right. more sense but <laughs> you know natural order of things sometimes since you know some people don't get that um yeah i and i also think doulas are great doulas and midwives are amazing and they were the first people doubling birth you know giving birth and helping women have babies so and they specialize in that making sure the woman was in the right mindset yeah to not being too stressed they actually listen to them so yes i agree i don't know why they started off like that it makes sense why you would squat it makes so much sense <laughs> it makes so much sense so i feel like there's no need to look at that if that was you know his way of it and if that's like but then again he's some a lot of people in power are like into very drastic yeah. thing yeah um and so he may have gotten off on being a perv or seeing people in pain that may have been his kink so that may have been why that happened That's really messed up so um yeah king louis i don't know what you were on but it was type weird and I guess back on the discussion of midwives and doulas, do you think, I guess, how do you say? At home births should not be normalized, but like looked more into, you think? Or do you think women just don't look at it because they think the hospitals can do every and anything for them? Uh, I think we should. I mean, personally, I, if, I, mean, I don't want kids, but if I were to have kids, <laughs> I would have a doula or a midwife, whichever came first, honestly, um, because they're, yeah, I would rather be in my house than in some weird location with all these people that I don't know touching me. Do like, you have I'd more information on what midwives? Yeah. So yeah, people no problem. Know. So midwife means with women and they're very common. 
Um, in other countries like the UK, like 50% of births are with midwives there. Other places in the in the EU, there over 75% of them have midwives during birthing. Whereas in the US, less than 10% of like births have midwives. Um, like we said before, midwives were like an integral part of childbirth dating back to the Egyptian and biblical days. Um, they were either called South Granny um, by people. And in the 1800s, medicine became more, I guess, professional. So like I said before I go to that, midwives were like, family friends and like your like the moms, the grandmas, aunties, you know, friend the women in the neighborhood who would literally have a whole celebration for this baby. Yeah. So like we just discussed, they would literally do everything to make the woman comfortable, help her with the whole process, etc. And in the 1800s, medicine became more professional and that means it was more male driven and they ended up taking over the field. And so midwives were then to blame if the mother did die or if the baby came out deformed or with any type of ailment or died, you know, things like that. Um, and then there were publications stating that the midwives were either dirty um, and that midwifery was barbaric. Then there were regulations on them saying that basically not letting women have home births and that they had to enter the profession or go to the hospital, right? Those are the options for the women. And so in the seventies, white women started wanting uh, midwives, but this time they were more white. Um, so that was the whole thing. And another option, like we just discussed was a doula. And a doula is a trained companion who is not a healthcare professional and who supports another woman um, or individual through their, the birthing experience, whether it's, you know, childbirth or miscarriage or helping them with abortions or stillborns, any reproductive like issue that they're there to support them, a woman through that. <laughs> I, I feel like it's crazy that women of color and black women still have to rally for changes in this sector i guess you could say the medical sector um and it's funny how i i i initially i watched this whole video about it really interesting initially it was misogynistic like that's mm -hmm. how it started because the you know okay you guys know how our how our Okay, you know how the female anatomy is like shaped? It's like shaped like a like a V. Okay. So they were saying that oh, I can't I can't remember the name of the a pelvis? Mm-mm. It's a cross. It's a cross and then it has this over it. That was the symbolism. No, no, no. What are you talking? Hold on, give me a second. So it's basically it was like the cross and then there's like uterus no the there's a name for that specific cross i don't know it was in it's widely represented in african culture but it was representative of the female anatomy and yo back, yo what is it called a yo or something no i can't remember the name of it i know i could see it in my head but i can't remember the name of it i okay. story short <laughs> the video was basically saying that back then a woman who got pregnant, it was like, she not she was worshiped, but it was in a sense that nothing, no harm or anything was brought to her because, yes, that. Oh, the prince symbol. Yes. Anka? Yes. Anik? They never said the name, but. A-N-K-H, Anik? Ank? Is that what it's called? Yeah. So women's not supposed to be worshiped, but basically protected, provided for a while in this state because it was very fragile, very, it was a very emotional time. You're trying to protect the woman in that mm -hmm. sense. Long story short, some messed up stuff happened and the misogyny war came out. And that's when 
women weren't treated the same during their, you know, pregnancies and stuff. Yes. So I'm not surprised that it turning over today in Western culture that it's like changing. So I have some questions for discussion. I don't know how long these will be. So we'll come back and (laughs) talk about it. Okay, so welcome back. Now we have some questions for discussion before we wrap things up. So in your opinion, are there any solutions to that you think medical offices can use to gain trust from their patients in this sector? Because it seems like there's a lack of trust between uh, people of color, women of color, uh, black women of color, and these practices, these OBGYN practices. So do you think there's like a solution to it or do you just think, you know, like, what's your opinion on it? Um, So there's two things that I found. Currently, there is a decline in OBGYNs. Um, So many people are like when you go to res- like med school, there's like regular courses and you have like different weeks and different types of studies, basically. Um, a lot of people are getting away from OBGYN because there's, uh, they're highest to get like sued. Um, and a lot of men don't want to get like, also like the idea of like the sexual assault, you know, things yeah. like that. So a lot of men are staring away from that. And like I said, the suing because of health issues that can occur for pregnancy. So those are two main things that are occurring. To gain trust, um, it would be having relationships with your clients. But again, when there's not a lot of OBGYNs, there's not a lot to go around, there's less access. So you're not going to have a solid relationship with your OB, unfortunately, unless we outsource that help to doulas and midwives. Mm -hmm. Um, And a way to fix that. Um, California at one point they really they had high they had like a really high rate of uh, what is it deaths um, it was like between 2006 and 2013 they lowered their maternal mortality rate by 55 percent from 16 basically 17 to seven deaths per 1,000 births 100,000 births and they did this by giving guides on hemorrhages, uh, cardiovascular disease, um, and venous thrombosis, um, which is a blood clot in the vein that's common in, in pregnancy-related deaths. And that, and also they reduce the rate of C-sections. So that was a way that they, they tried to implement that and it did Hell, decrease that rate, yeah. Okay. So maybe things like that, more guides, more education, um, more listening to women. Things like that. that I agree. Happen. Listening to their patients. And then when the patient is specifically asking for a certain doctor, maybe, you know, granting them that access because it's for a reason. I think they know if they ask for a certain doctor, that doctor might just understand where they're coming from. And, you know, you won't have the stress put on the pregnant mother and so on and so forth. So I agree. I agree with everything you just said. Um, next question. So is it imperative to have more people of color and black individuals in the medical field? Yeah, of course. Um, There's just certain things that people just will not get unless you're walking the shoes. So, and that can be with any field. So some people may want black therapists, some people want (laughs) black uh, dentists, some people may want black, I don't know, teachers. There's, representation is needed, right? Because we need to see that these people exist and they can understand us and help us and guide us through because they probably walk through something similar or they experience something similar or there's cultural um, uh, things that connect us. So that's, I do think having a black doctor would be a more understanding. I agree. And they see firsthand what happens to yeah. POC. So they understand the experiences. I like I agree. It's very 
very, very important for more people of color should be in the medical field. I feel like the representation should be there, even if it's in, how you say, the nursing field, mm-hmm. like whatever field. And like you said before, the black therapist, I know there's a conversation around like, there's a reason why some individuals would need a black therapist, like widely speaking. If you have a black therapist, they're gonna understand your upbringing other than, aside from someone who's not a person of color, trying to be, not trying to be a therapist, but when you're seeking for therapy. Um, so yes, I think it's imperative to have more peace. POCs in the medical field because they'll understand the experiment experience. Um, next question, do you think there are cultural differences when it comes to certain OBGYN practices region-wise? So like Western medicine compared to like every other region's medicine. I know you probably don't, I don't even know every other medical practice there is, but do you think there are cultural differences when it comes to practices? Maybe like diet. I know like women are like supposed to, what is it, eat for two, eat for three or what have you. Mm -hmm. Whereas you don't really need to do that. (laughs) You're supposed to have like high, um, you know, vitamins and mineral rich diet. Needles. Exactly, like all those things. And um, I don't know if that's really ingrained here. Like we know about it and they're aware of it. But a lot of women have like poor diets when they're pregnant. Yeah. and they're. I guess they don't realize that the baby is going to develop the same thing that they're yeah. like eating. And even after pregnancy, like women have to eat better and take care of themselves because that's the breast milk that they're giving yeah. to the kid. Like you can't just like drink alcohol all day or whatever and eat shit of food and that Highly kid prohibited. Is, even yeah. while pregnancy. Like so. the kid can the kid's gonna take that in. Like yeah. that's not good for them. But whatever. Their body, their choice, I guess. Yes. I also what you say um i agree with the cultural differences in that i guess i don't, I don't want to say there's misinformation hmm. i think there should be classes it should be yeah. a thing for pregnant mothers to take i obviously with their consent but like i think you should just want to learn more about what's going on with your body you're carrying you're making and carrying a whole human you know how crazy that sounds making and carrying a whole human from scratch. So <laughs> I think women should take like these classes to learn what to eat, how to go about this feeling that you you might be having and so on and so forth. And then, um, oh my gosh, postpartum depression as well. Yeah, things like that, yeah. Because those are very like common in pregnant women. So yes, and then... Yeah, I guess I guess this is another some of these questions are kind of the same. So we'll just go. Should there be more focus around midwives and doulas and at home births? Mm-hmm. I agree. I think they're very helpful and they're more hands on. They're more personable. They basically know the whole health history of the mother. They're guiding them. The purpose is to guide them through pregnancy. So that's what they do. I agree. I feel like there'll be more. It'll be like a celebratory thing. You know, there, there'll be more care and nurture yeah. in that sector. So is there anything else you would like to add? Um, yes. Let's see. So what we talked about, like you said, I do, I do want to end with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching videos regarding this. And one of them was this guy, he was talking about structural racism due to uh, maternal mortality rates for black women. And he says, social racism is the systemic allocation of resources and opportunity based on race. It refers to the ways that institutions and systems operate together to produce outcomes that differ based on race, even in the absence of racist intent. And that is something that obviously has been occurring. I do want to say just from personal experience, I've been told, and I know I told you this before, like when I work with some of my clientele, I've been told, oh my gosh, I like the way you speak. You don't have an accent. Oh you don't sound gosh. like someone who's from India, who's from China, Microaggressions. Right? <laughs> so they will say this and they'll say this so casually. People will say this so casually, not thinking when they work in different spaces, when they're at their job, when they're with their families and they have those same ideals, right? 
their family members may be working in the health field. Their family members may be working in law enforcement. Their family members may be work as teachers. And when they have those ideas of these people who speak a certain way are less educated, they're not, they're inept, they're not capable of thinking for themselves. That is then perpetrated in how we treat people. That yep. is then perpetrated in the resources that we give them. The, you know, like the resources that, like you said, the resources, the attention, the care that we give them because we don't think of them as ourselves. And that is an issue. And it is structural. This is one of the things that occurs. So um, I do want to just leave with, just leave with that message. I agree. So thank you guys for listening to today. And the word of the day is maternal morbidity. It basically means that any condition that is attributed to or aggravated by pregnancy and childbirth has a negative impact on the women's well-being and our functioning. And the song of the week is by, this is a song we both really liked. So yes. We chose it for this week. It's called Ready is Always Too Late by Sneed Harnett. Her new album dropped recently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple days ago, like five days ago. Couple I've been having ago. it on repeat. Yes. And you guys should also listen to her late music too because it's really good. So you guys can find our podcast on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can follow us on Insta and also comment under our page at legal underscore ESE. Thank you guys for being patient and listening with us today. And thanks for following us for season one. Yes. Oh, yes. This is your season finale. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yes. This is our season finale. We're going to come back with a season two. And yeah. We yeah. Appreciate you guys' support. We really for listening do. to us. I appreciate it dearly. And as my, you know, co-host, our hosts would always <laughs> say, thank you for speaking our language. Bye. <laughs>